Have you ever had one of those moments where something went completely wrong and you caught yourself asking, why? <laughs> why me? Right? Or no, why now? Of course you have. We all have. Of course, my question is, who were you asking the question to? <laughs> Maybe just a generic why? Why God? <laughs> it wasn't long ago. In fact, just a couple of days ago. I was stringing up some Christmas lights outside of our home. Got about halfway done, and we turned on the lights, and we noticed that half of the lights were not working. This was frustrating because we had just enough lights to go on the house. Those particular lights were the only ones left of that kind that we liked from the store. It was frustrating, though, because they were brand new lights. We just bought those lights, and I'm halfway done. I'm already working. Ugh. And then I had to take them all down. Why? Why did I waste all of that time? Must be because God hates me, right? Or maybe it's because I'm such a sinner that I deserved to have to um, do that extra work. Well, no argument here, right? <laughs> Maybe from some of you. Did I deserve it? Did I do something wrong? Maybe. The truth is, I don't really know. But that's what we're going to talk about today here in Luke chapter 13. Welcome back. Over halfway through, well, really just one chapter after the halfway point. But I really do like this chapter and really truthfully, not the whole chapter. I mean, the other parts are fine. But I really like this section. No, not because it offers a lot of great hope, but I like it because it's real. I like it from a theological standpoint. It allows for us to look at every situation we have through this particular lens that Jesus is going to offer to us today. Now, I should add that the reason why this is brought up, or I should maybe better put, this is in the midst of a conversation that Jesus is having with the crowd, uh, to which Jesus has already said, you hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? It goes to show here in chapter 13 that they don't know how to interpret the present time. They don't. The Pharisees don't. The Sadducees, they all struggle to try to figure out why certain things are happening and what to make of it. So what's the situation? What's happening? While Jesus was in the midst of this conversation, it says at the present time, somebody told Jesus about these Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. So basically what happened is that they were in the temple offering their sacrifices, guessing that it's probably something like Passover. Uh, that's typically the only time that lay individuals were offering their own sacrifices. So as this was going on, remembering the Passover, remembering how God spared them when they were coming out of Egypt, their blood was spilled with the sacrifice. Kind of a heinous thing. Not, not kind of. It, it really is nasty. Uh, you could say that Pilate did this less than honorable thing. That's a really nice way of putting it. This detestable thing of bringing the army, the military, 
into a house of worship while this was going on and killing these Galileans. And so who knows what people were actually thinking when this was going on or after they heard about the incident. But somewhere in the back of their mind, they're thinking that something had to have happened for God to allow for this to happen. Have you heard people talk like this? Sure you have. I know I have. And you hear other reports of it in the biblical times. In the biblical narrative of John, John chapter 9, the disciples are asking Jesus the question of a man born blind. Who sinned? Did he sin? Or do his parents sin? Who sinned that made this guy blind? See, they were operating under the impression for this guy to be blind, he had to have done something horrific. Because that's how God works in their minds. It's got to work in a way that makes sense. He did something bad or they did something bad. As a result, he was born blind. So these guys in the temple worshiping, they're trying to offer sacrifices. I don't know. I'm going to make this up. Maybe the sacrifice wasn't good enough. Maybe their sins were so great that their blood had to mingle with it. Or maybe this was God's way of rejecting it. Or maybe, I don't know what people were thinking. But they were starting to think that there was some reason for it. They must have done something bad. How do we know this? Well, Jesus responds. Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all of the other Galileans because they suffered this way? But then here's what he says. The surprise or the shocker, right? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. See, this is why I like this chapter. (laughs) It puts things into perspective. It's not that these verses give us a lot of hope. No, not really at all. But it puts things into perspective. A lot of people like to tell me they believe in karma. And I just find that absolutely ridiculous. Why can I say that? And by the way, I'm not looking down on anybody for their beliefs. But the reason why I personally think that's ridiculous is because of this. If I was to get everything that I truly deserved in life for the things that I've done, I wouldn't be allowed to finish this podcast. And I don't just mean the series. Like the phone should be dropping out of my hand right now as I'm recording this. My heart should stop beating right. I shouldn't be able to breathe Another breath because of all of the times that I've wasted my breath. The times that I've used my body in ways that was just immoral. And I don't mean immoral in terms of sexual immorality. I mean just immoral in terms of the way I've been lazy. Haven't been helping my neighbor. The things that I've done in life, I've done way more bad than good. Now, some might say I'm being too hard on myself, but, but wait a second. What's the measuring stick that God uses? Be holy as I am holy. And see, I haven't been holy. Not even close. And here's the key. You haven't either. So when I hear Jesus saying this, no, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. We understand what Jesus is saying here in connection with the signs that he was just talking about. Every time we see something happen, we shouldn't assume that we can figure out why it's happened. We shouldn't look to the individual who is the victim and say, well, they must have done something to deserve it. Wow. How many times should I have had worse things happen to me? 
What Jesus is saying is when you see things like that happen, you should repent because you're a sinner too and you deserve even worse things than that. That's the truth of it. We deserve worse. Call it what it is. Sin is in the world. And with sin being in the world, these horrible, detestable things are happening. See, and that's really important for us to really consider. And there's some real practical applications here. Why did Grandma Jean have cancer? Was Grandma Jean that much worse of a person than Grandma Jill? I'm just making up names now. I mean, were her sins that worse that she had to to die from that disease? Or the person that got dementia, is it because God was really mad at them? Or for the person that didn't live over the age of 16? What did they do? It must have been bad. No, what you're really finding is that this world is really broken. Oh, and it stinks. It is a broken world. So Jesus is saying, if you're looking at this world and you're trying to interpret the times, that's what you should be thinking. Every time you see something bad happen, think, repent, because we deserve this and more. <laughs> I laugh because, man, the first time I really understood this passage was when I was, <laughs> when I was sick. Man, I was throwing up like something else. And since some of you may be doing this devotion after supper, I just won't go into any more details. But... In the middle of it, that's how you know you're a theologian, I guess. I remember thinking to myself, I wasn't asking, God, why am I sick now? I remember thinking, I deserve worse. <laughs> it didn't make me feel better, but it, it did bring out that realization, didn't it? I deserve worse. And Jesus brings up the Tower of Siloam incident where this is a natural occurring thing. Some tower falls on people. And Jesus kind of is reiterating his point. Were these guys, were they worse than anybody else? No, but unless you repent, you all will also likewise perish. Repent. It's a great theme for Advent, isn't it? Repent. Jesus is coming back. So that goes along with the interpretation of the times, but maybe it doesn't leave us with a whole lot of comfort. But Jesus isn't going to stop here. He's going to go into what the, really the, this kingdom is about. Who are we repenting to then? Well, we're repenting to the God who's given us his kingdom, right? We have all these parables, and unfortunately, I don't have the time to go into a lot of them or all of them. But we have this fig tree and this vineyard where, what does Jesus say? He says, hey, the time is going to come where the, the vineyard needs to be cut down. And in the parable, there's the gardener who says, you know, let me work on a little bit longer, a little bit longer, a little bit longer. Maybe next year it'll produce fruit. If not, bring it down. What's Jesus saying? Look, the time to repent is now because a day is going to come when there is going to be the expectation of fruit. So don't wait to produce the fruit. Repent now. See, I wasn't lying, was I, when I said there wasn't a whole lot of hope in itself when looking at these texts. But don't worry, we're going to come back to this. We're going to come back to this today. Don't turn me off, all right? Please listen to the rest of what we're going to talk about today because we're going to come back to this. Jesus moves on though, right? And we are going to connect these things. Jesus moves on and uh, in the midst of the synagogue when he's teaching and and leading a worship, a woman comes to him who's been uh, dealing with a disabling spirit for 18 years. That's a long time. It's some kind of spirit that is uh, 
making this woman kind of hunched over, bent over. She can't fully straighten herself. Now, as you can imagine, this is on the Sabbath, so this is going to lead to another Sabbath controversy. Jesus is going to heal this woman. He's going to free her in the midst of this worship, and there's an individual there who's going to be upset about this. Hey, there's six days for us to do work. Jesus, you don't need to be doing this on the Sabbath. That's work, right? Again, the whole idea of this man does not understand what the Sabbath is all about. If you go look at some of the traditional cleansings and things like that that are um, offered in the Old Testament, it doesn't say anything about not doing it on the Sabbath. But Jesus, he's like, look, this person's been bound for 18 years. Yes, on this Sabbath, on this day of rest or freedom is probably a better way for us to look at this. It's a day of freedom. I'm going to free her. And we think about when we worship on Sundays, what do we find? We find freedom, forgiveness of sins. That's why we come to worship. That's what God offers to us when we go to worship. He frees us because that's what the kingdom is about. The kingdom is about freeing us from this bondage. But this kingdom, though, doesn't come quickly all the time, right? At least not in the way that we would want it to. Jesus doesn't come back today in the sense that bringing with him all of heaven and restoring all things and making all things well, raising the dead. No, it it takes time. Like a mustard seed has to grow, which I'm hoping you already read about, as well as the individual who is putting leaven in the bread and waiting for it to grow and bake. It takes time. God's timing doing what he knows to be best. But see, this is the God that we are repenting to, the one who knows what's best. And he's given the people a lot of time, right? Saying, repent, the time is going to come when you're going to knock on the door and you're not going to be allowed in. You're even going to see Father Abraham there. You're going to know who he is, but you won't be a part of it because you didn't repent. And then Jesus laments over Jerusalem how they're not coming to him. But then he says, and I tell you, you will not see me until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Which, of course, that's going to happen again on Palm Sunday. Because Jesus has to go into Jerusalem. Jesus has to be martyred there. But see, this is where it comes really in full circle from where we began where we had the tower falling on individuals and we have the blood sacrifices, right? And we're left kind of wondering, okay, we need to repent, right? We need to turn because we know that this is a sinful world and we know that really we deserve worse. But that's the thing about this God that we're repenting to as we keep on reading, right? We're looking at it through the lens of the cross. We see that God is merciful to us. While we should deserve worse, He has mercy. He doesn't give us what we deserve. Instead, he graciously gives to us and giving us that which we don't deserve, the eternal kingdom. Maybe you've heard that said before that way. Mercy means God has mercy on us. He doesn't give us what we deserve. He has mercy on us, but he doesn't just stop there. 
he also graciously gives to us. He, he is a gracious God. He has grace for us. He gives us the beautiful blessings that we don't deserve. So he has mercy and graciously gives to us. That's a beautiful picture. Right, so when these things happen, we talked about why some people have certain things happen and why others. That's not for us to determine. We don't know why. It's not necessarily that somebody is a worse sinner than another, but we're thankful that Jesus came into this world that was so stained with sin to take it on himself. God didn't allow for somebody else to take the sacrifice, the Galileans. He allowed for his only son to go through this heinous act where he was arrested and nailed to a tree so that his blood would be spilled even though he was absolutely innocent and didn't deserve to die. But that's how much God loves you and me. So what do we do in the midst of these horrible situations when we don't understand the why? Yes, we repent, but thank God in our repentance that he has dealt with this sinful world and he will bring us to a time and era and age that will not end where there will only be goodness and graciousness because of his wonderful gift for us. The gift of his son, his death, his resurrection for you and for me. So that's what I meant when I said I love this chapter because it gives us some great perspective. We don't have answers for a lot of these questions. But the only answer we need is the one that God gives. It's Jesus. So we don't put our faith in what we see. We put our faith and trust in Jesus. I'm in. All right. We'll see you all next time as we are moving on to Luke 14.